Right, let me start with an illustration, kind of a silly illustration. And all, all, all illustrations are at some level silly, right? This is a cordless screwdriver, right? Very, very handy tool. I asked a carpenter once, an old carpenter, uh, what they used to do before they had cordless screwdrivers. And he said, we drove in a lot less screws, right? They're very handy tool, right? Now, it, it does a great job like that. Now, if I take this out of it, it's still a screwdriver, right? But it's a rotten screwdriver. You could screw screws in with it now, but it's a, it's a rotten screwdriver. You see, it's, the, the battery is essential to it. In fact, without the battery, it's actually worse than a regular screwdriver. You sooner have something uh, that, that, that wasn't uh, made that way, just something that you put in your hand uh, and you can screw it. Now, Christianity was never intended for you to do the best you can living on your own. Christianity was always intended for you to be plugged in, for you to be abiding, is the word that we're using. But remember, abiding, walking in the spirit, filled with the spirit, yielded to the spirit, uh, Christ in you and you in Christ. It's all really the same thing. It's all the same thing. What we're talking about is you walking in a power that's entirely different than your power. If you try and do Christianity on your own, it's like trying to use that screwdriver uh, with, uh, without a battery in it. It's never going to work for you. And that's what so often Christians are doing. They're trying to live Christianity. They're trying to do good. They're trying to do right. They're trying to be the right kind of people. And they're failing miserably because they're trying to do it by themselves. Yep. Be, uh, you know, if you have a car, well, a car is a powerful uh, tool for getting you from one place to the other. But if you fit into the car, if you don't turn the ignition in the car, and it's useless. In fact, it's a heavy weight that somebody's got to push uh, to, to, to get you moving. Right? So we need to understand that Christianity is intended for us to actually live our lives with, by the power of Christ and not by our own power. Right? Let me, uh, I'm going to mute all of you on this because we're recording it as well. Okay. And um, I will then unmute you all at the end and we can talk about it, right? Okay. I think that has, that has everybody muted, all right? So if you're going to live the Christian life, right, and do it successfully, you need to forsake your old identity, right? You need to give up on the old you. But when we talk about salvation, sometimes we talk about where your trust is. How many of you have seen the, the illustration uh, with the chair, with somebody sitting on, on um, two chairs at the same time? How many of you see it? You've seen it. Right? Let, me get, let me get someone to come and help me out. Help me with this, right? <laughs> Just come on. It's not, it's not, a, not a hard one. I'm yeah, not going to make a fool of you. Wait. Right? Right. Okay, hang on. Don't, don't sit down there. Right? Now, um, yeah, okay. Now, if I, if I tell you to sit on this chair, right? <laughs> if I tell you to sit on this chair, right? How would I know that you trust me, that you trust this chair to hold your weight? I'm going to pass that. Well, sit down. Right. Okay, now you trust him. Now, if I told you to sit on that chair and you kind of 
sat between the chairs, kind of tenderly. I know you didn't trust it, didn't I? You didn't trust the chair to hold you, right? Now, here's the thing. If, when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, it has to be our full trust put on him. It can't be a split trust. In other words, half our trust put on one chair and half our trust put on the other chair, it has to be a full trust. Thank you. Uh, it has to be a full trust that we put in him. Now, when it comes to you walking with God, it can't be half on you and half on God. You've got to come to the place where you're trusting in him. Because what he's asking of you, you can't do and he knows it. What he's asking of you, as far as your Christianity is concerned, is impossible for you to do in your own strength. And you've got to come to the place where you put your full trust in him. Now, the confusing part for us is we still have a sin nature. We all still are drawn to sin. It's not like it went away uh, <clears throat> the moment we got saved. It's there for all of us. We're all still drawn to it. Right? So it's kind of confusing to us because we know, yeah, we want to do right. We want to live right. But it's so easy for us to go in the wrong direction. And what you've got is, in a sense, you've got two identities going on inside you. You've got a new you from the time you got saved. But the old you is still there. And you can either play to one side or the other side. And what we're talking about here is not you straightening yourself out and getting things together. It's you recognizing who you now are because of what Christ has done for you and living that reality. It's living the reality of who you are. Now, you'll understand it a bit more as we, as we go along, right? <clears throat> First of all, your mind needs to be renewed. We looked at Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, I beseech you that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, right? And be not conformed to this word, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You've got to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind's got to change. Your thinking's got to change. You see, if you keep on thinking, well, now that's who I am, that's who I've always been, then that's who you'll always be. But if you come to the place where you recognize, now hang on a minute, like we looked at in Romans chapter 6, I died with Christ. <coughs> I'm risen with him. I'm different. What you find is, you find something supernatural happening in your life. That you actually step into a space <coughs> that is not yours. Now, you have a part to play it. not saying you don't have a part to play it. But it's not this, oh, I've got to do it. It's you recognizing who you are in Christ and living in that reality. So you've got to give up on your old identity of who you are. That's hard for us. Because we're proud beings. <clears throat> um, we have to step into the identity that Christ has given us. Now, what does Christ say about you now since you're saved? Does he say, well, you're a new creature. You're a new creature. What's the rest of that verse? All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What does that mean? You're different. Now, is that about other Christians? 
Jew? Where's that? Jesus is a new. If you trusted Jesus Christ as your savior, now some, some of you are saying, well, am I really saved now? Or you can live the old nature. Depends on which uh, one you're playing to. Depends on which one you're uh, feeding. You've got to forsake completely the old identity. Now, here's the thing. Christians find their new nature don't sin. Is that true? It is true by their new nature. Christians, by their old nature, do sin. Here's the thing, before you were saved, you sinned because you had a sin nature, and that was all you had. But after you got saved, God gave you a new spirit, a new na nature, that's what's happened inside of you now is completely transformational. <clears throat> when... Uh, <clears throat> When Rory's talking about a new creature, the word new creature there is changed from one type of being to another type of being completely. If you wanted to put it in animal terms, it'd be changed from being a cow to being a horse. It's completely different. You, you have been changed completely. Now, you can either act like the new nature and not sin, or you can act like the old nature and keep on going. The way you've been going. And like Christians too. You can, <coughs> you can decide, oh, okay, <clears throat> wait, now I'm, I'm going to make God proud of me. I'm, I'm going to get my act together now and I'm going to make God proud of me. You're going to fail. That's your old nature. That's your pride. It's never going to work for you. What needs to happen for you and I is we need to recognize I'm different now. I'm changed. I'm not the person I used to be anymore. God has actually done a work in me so that I am changed, so that I am different. Your new nature is righteous. Why? Why is your new nature righteous? Because Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin. It's all done and dust of hell. It's, it's, it's all forgiven. It's all gone. <clears throat> you know, your sin, past, present, and future, it's all gone. Your new nature is righteous. We're not comfortable with that, though. And the reason we're not comfortable with it is because we don't live that reality. What we do is we live very often the reality of the old nature instead. And that's what we're going after. <clears throat> right, so pull out your Bible, your, your Bible study sheet there, right? <clears throat> um, let me go down to it really quickly with you, and then I will leave you to answer the questions. Those of you that are on... Um, <clears throat> On Zoom, uh, you, you have this on WhatsApp. You have the sheet. Oh, look at that. Laszlo has it printed out. Well done, Laszlo. <laughs> All right. Um, let me read, read. It's Colossians chapter 3 uh, in your Bibles if you haven't got it printed out. Right? If ye then be risen with Christ. And when it says, if ye then be risen with Christ, it's talking about it in, in this sense. Since you are risen with Christ. Because how do we know we're risen with Christ? How do we know anything spiritual? Because the Bible says, remember when we looked at, at Romans chapter six, talked about the fact that we were risen in Christ, that we, were, we died with him and that we rose with him. Every time we do a baptism, what do we do? <clears throat> Somebody goes down to the water, we say, dying with him, 
and rising with him to walk in newness of light. You're, you're risen with Christ. So it's not kind of if, well, fingers crossed. It's since you are risen with Christ. He says, seek those things which are above, for Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Now, isn't that one of our big problems? We tend not to seek those, seek those things that are above. We tend to seek the things that are below. We tend to be focused on earthly things, not on, not on spiritual things. And then he says, set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. You got a question there, so I'm going to leave you that way, and we'll talk about that in a second. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Then he says something strange. He says, mortify. The word mortify means to put to death. Right? Now, first of all, he says we're dead. And then he says, I want you to put some things to death. Which is it? Paul, which are you saying? Uh, mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. And here's the reality. You have a choice. I have a choice. I can either um, live, let those things live in my life, or I can mortify them, put them to death. I now have the ability to put them to death because of what Jesus has done for me. I can actually put those things away so that they're not a problem for me anymore. I didn't have that before I got saved, but I have it now. And he says, I want you to mortify these things. Now listen, since you're dead to them, since I've broken the power of them, since the chain's been disconnected, now I want you to put them to death. Get rid of them. Don't, don't let them in your life. And by faith, you have got to come to the place where you actually realize that's true. I can do that. It, it, you can't go on your feelings. Because if you've played to the flesh for any length of time, and we all have, the flesh will feel very powerful. And the enemy will come and sit on your shoulder and say, no, that doesn't work for you. Look at you and say you. But if you actually say, no, you know what? That's what the Bible says. The Bible says I'm dead to these things. And you decide, that that's it, I'm done with them. What you're going to find is, you're going to find you walk on water, as it were. It's impossible. But you're doing it. Remember your first road a bike? <laughs> Who here remembers? Who remembers teaching somebody to ride a bike? Maybe that's easier to remember, right? Teaches somebody to ride a bike, and you, and you, and you run along with them, and um, they're all excited, and they, they feel very safe because you're holding on to them, and then you let go. And, and then they're sailing along on the bike by themselves. Right? And they didn't think it was possible, but all of a sudden it is possible. Then they fall off because they uh, get, get, get fearful and afraid and fall off. Christianity is, in a sense, like riding a bike. There's a point where you come to it where, good night, this is... I'm staying up right now. I only got these two tiny little wheels touching the ground. That you can walk with God in such a way that you can have a victory that's not yours. And you can walk in that victory and you're kind of amazing yourself at first. Because he has done it for you. You're not expected uh, to do it. But he says, I want you to deal with those things. Mortify those things. For which things take the wrath of God cometh upon the children of disobedience. Right? And by the way, see verse 6 there. Here's something we, we sometimes do. We, we, we get many cockamamie ideas, right? We look at sin 
in unbelievers and we say, oh, God's really mad about that. God's really upset about that, right? Okay, but let's say you're God for a second, right? And you look at people who really have no option, they're sinners because they're sinners doing their sin. And um, you look at these other people that are your children that are doing the same things. Which upsets you more? Your children. Listen, when you and I sin, it upsets God much more than it upsets than, than, the, than the world sinning does. Now, he loves us, and he always deals with us in love, but you understand, listen, it does, he doesn't know all, all of a sudden because you're sinning, look at your sin and say, ah, sure. That's just the kids. What God does is, God hates sin. And the fact that you don't have to means a lot to him. And understand this, you'll never walk with God and harbor sin in your life. You won't. You just can't. It's, it's impossible. He's a holy God. It's impossible to do that. What you have to do is you have to deal with sin. You have to deal with it. <clears throat> uh, it, it, it grieves God. Um, in the which ye also walked sometime when you lived in them. Now listen, if we went around the room and talked about the worst sins we've ever done, we'd be uh, hanging our heads in shame. Because listen, we walked in the world. We weren't safe. We did the things the world. Right? Um, and we lived in them. But not now. You're not now, boy, because I got to pull myself up by my bootstraps and do the right thing. You're not able to. Now, why? Because you're different. You're a new creature. You're changed now. You're a new creature. So walk in a new way. And, and, and you'll find it, not only is it possible, but it's miraculous. It's like you're walking on water. Then he says, lie not one to another. Do you still lie? Stop lying. Stop lying. Very straightforward. Don't lie to one because America remembers one of them. Um, <clears throat> line up one for another, seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. Well, question, how do you, have you put off the old man with his deeds? You know, have, you, have you put off the coat of the old life? That's, that's the picture for you there. <clears throat> Don't stop lying to each other. If you, if you have, stop lying. Start being honest, right? Um, <clears throat> And have put on the new man, which is created in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So you put on the new man. There's a different person, different you now. You now. Where there's neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. Now, let me ask you. Why would you put on those things as a believer? Why would you put on those things as a believer? What would make you put those things on? Why, why would you put on bowels of mercies? Have you ever been shown mercy? Have you? Listen, didn't Jesus die for you? And all the filth and degradation of your sin, he took it on his own shoulders. And he had mercy on you. And he paid the price for your sin. And, and, and sometimes 
We don't have mercy and compassion on other people because we don't realize how much mercy and compassion we've been shown. We don't get it. We don't, we don't take it on board. How much it costs God to actually take and save you and I. And you see, we can be very judgmental until we bring it back to ourselves. And he says, put on bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, all those things. Because you, you're different now. And you see, that's not your natural way. That wasn't your way before you were saved. That's not your, the way of your nature since you were saved. But it is the way of the new nature. And when you're, when you're not feeling merciful, what's wrong? What do you think is wrong when you're not feeling, when there's not mercy in you? Listen, if I'm walking in the new man, I'm seeing mercy. Now, mercy doesn't mean I'm going to be stupid and foolish. And, um, mercy, mercy has to do tough things. God does tough things, though he's very merciful. But mercy colors what you do and what you have to do. <laughs> so that when you find yourself not being merciful, not being kind, not being humble, not being meek, not being long-suffering, <coughs> there's a spiritual problem. And it's not just with the other person, it's with, between you and God. And you see, <coughs> there's where our mind has to change. Our thinking has to change because, you know, <coughs> religion makes us self-righteous and judgmental. That's what it does for us. And listen, you can get you 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 can get good and good and high on yourself and how good you are. Right? But understand that when you're good and high on yourself and how good you are, you're not walking with God. You're walking with the old nature, not the new nature. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And Christians are supposed to be the kind of people that that offenses roll off them like water off a duck's back. Doesn't mean you don't deal with stuff, but you're not out there getting offended all the time. By the way, doesn't that sound nice? Listen, you live your life getting offended with people, and I'll tell you, you're living a hard life, aren't you? Keep you awake at night, that kind of stuff. But when you come to the place where you where you have hum where your humbleness of mind, where you're forgiving, you're forbearing one another, you know, what happens is life gets easy. And we have a false impression of the Christian life as being hard. No, the, the fleshly life is hard. The, the Christian who's not walking in the Christian life, that's hard. But when you walk in the Christian life, that's a sweet thing. God's done something great for us, right? Okay. Um, And above all these things, put on charity. That word charity means what? Love. I got big love. The, the translators put it in to differentiate it from the other words that we use for love. They put in charity. And charity has the idea of giving, which is agape is a sacrificial love. All right? So that, that word charity means that, that sacrificial agape love, right? Which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Right. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, 
singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Right, now let, let, let me ask you, think about one, one question here, right? As we've gone through that sheet, you're going to go through it now. This is not just Sunday morning Christianity, Wednesday night Christianity. This is the kind of Christianity that dominates in your every living moment that he's talking about here. And nothing else really satisfies. Nothing else really works other than a Christianity that you let seep into every pore and affect every relationship and change everything about you. And that's your new identity. But you got to actually say, uh, that's me. That's what I want. Okay. All right, then. Let's, let's answer our questions, all right? Um, since we are risen with Christ, what are we commanded to do? Seek. Seek. Those things are terrible. What does that mean? Seek those things which are above. Seek God. Look. Yeah, seek God. Seek the things of God. Wisdom. Okay. Seek, seek the things of God. Seek the things that are pleasing to God. That, that all of a sudden now, you see, and, and this is key to us. We have a new direction we're going in. Right? But because we still have a sin nature, we can still go seeking the old things. <coughs> Let me ask you guys from the, from the mental. If you continue to think about and dwell on drugs, even though you're in the men's home, what's going to happen? Well, yeah. Why? Because you're seeking the wrong things. What are you saying? No, that's it. My life, that, that's my old life. That's gone. From now on, I'm going to seek the things of God. I'm going to go after the word of God. I want to walk with God. Something changes completely. You start going in a completely different direction. That's why you have to actually seek. You see, always remember, doing wrong is always easy. <laughs> it's always easy. Doing right, you have to do on purpose. Your, your, your very nature will lead you to do wrong. If you don't, if you don't do anything, you'll do wrong. <clears throat> but you have, to, you have to purpose. You have to decide. I'm going to go in a different direction. And so what you got to do is you got you to seek those things which are above. So that means you open your Bible in the morning. I said, God, I got to meet with you. Lord, I want to meet you during the day. Lord, I want to be in church. Lord, I want, I want to be in the place I'm supposed to be. I don't want to go do those things that I used to do. <coughs> you see, it's, <coughs> the, the power is not yours. The power is God's. But it's not automatic. You, you choose in it. What Christ has done for you is he's given you the ability to choose. And you do now have a genuine ability to choose, where before you didn't. Now, the more you give in to sin, the more it feels like it has power. But when you choose to seek him and walk with him, no matter how bad the sin is in your life, you'll have victory because he's given you that. Right? But you got to choose what you're seeking. Seek those things which are above. But that's not going to come to you naturally. That's something you're going to purpose to do. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> From now on, uh, I'm going to seek those things. I, I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. I'm going to seek the things of God. I'm going to go in a different direction. All right. So, <clears throat> first, two, how do you set your affection? How do you set your love on something? Can you set your love on something? 
Okay, now here's the here's the thing. Here's the thing. The um if being married was about falling in love, right? Nobody'd stay married for more than two years. I know that sounds terrible, but it's that's reality. Because the feelings, the, the those huge feelings of love naturally last less than two years. Being married and staying married is about where you focus. See, when he walked down the aisle, what did he say? I'm going. <laughs> I'm not talking. <laughs> and the thing is, they're a picture postcard for what they're supposed to do, but they would never give you that. <laughs> what he decided was, he decided he's going to love you. And you decide you're going to love him. And because that's your focus, the relationship grows and grows and stays there. That's, that's what you're looking for. Your marriage is a covenant relationship. It's the biblical term for it. It's a, it's, a, it's a relationship where two people are promised to stay together until death do us part. Richer for poor, sickness or health, doesn't matter what goes up, we're going to stay together. Right? And so what have they done? They've set their affection on one another. And they refuse to set their affection on somebody else. If you do, the marriage breaks up. They're not going to set their affection on somebody else. They're setting their affection on each other. Well, if we took our focus off God, but if you take your focus off God, everything goes right. Yeah. But so in a human sense, in any relationship that's going to last, two people set their affection. They decide, no, you're for me, and I'm sticking with you. It's not about always feeling these wonderful, warm feelings of love. It's about accepting affection. Right now, we're not talking about humanly here. We're talking about setting our affection on things above, not on things on the earth. What does that mean? Christian, if you don't have heaven in your sight, you're going to go wrong. You're, you're, going, to, you're, you're going to go off track because we're not children of the earth. We're children of heaven. We set our affection on things above. We set our affection on that. And then because we set our affection on things above, we set our affection on the things that God wants us to do in the here and now. I want to go to heaven and get rewards. I don't want to mess up at this stage of my life and those rewards. Right? Um, you should be looking for rewards, expecting to step into heaven and hear that well done, that good and faithful story. That, that's put in the Bible because God made you and he knows what you're like and he knows if you don't have an end goal in mind, you'll go astray. So set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Okay? Why? Because you've died and you've risen with Christ and you're different now. You say, I can't do that. Listen, God wouldn't tell you to do something you couldn't do. God has made it infinitely possible for you and I to do what he wants us to do. And so you and I need to recognize that this is possible. I can do it. Like I can set my affection on things. above. I can choose what I love. If you can't choose what you love, don't get married. Because I'm telling you, at three in the morning, when a kid wakes up crying, <coughs> snotty with a dirty nappy, you don't have natural feelings of love. 
what you've done is you've decided this is my kid. I'm going to love him and I'm going to do whatever it takes uh, <clears throat> to bring him through. And you know what? You just do it. You don't even think about it. You just do it. Why? Because you've set your affection on this kid. You stay married because you've set your affection. You, you, you weather the hard times because you've set your affection. Right? So <clears throat> when it comes to you spiritually, God says, set your affection. Make me your focus. Make the things of heaven your focus. <coughs> understand this too. When God tells us to do something, there's always two sides to it. There's one is obedience. Just do it because God says. But when you do it because God says, what you find out is, oh, this is terrific. This really works. This is actually great. Don't get it back to front. Don't, you, know, you don't do it because it makes you feel good. Right? That's serving yourself. You do it because God told you. But what you find is, you find, this really works. This makes my life better. And what you find is every step of obedience you make towards setting your affection on things above, your life gets better. That's just the reality. And how you'll know that is compare it with the life you lived in the flesh doing your own thing. It's pretty sad, wasn't it? So the more you say yes to God and set your affection on things above, the better life gets, right? So what truth does verse 3 tell us to accept? What's the truth there that we're supposed to accept? You're dead. You don't feel dead. That's, that's understandable, but you're dead. Now, how are you dead? Dead to which? Don't like it. You're dead to the old you. You died with Christ. You're dead to that. Now, you don't feel that way. Because you carried the old you into your Christianity. And the Bible understands that. Right? You carry the old you, so you don't necessarily feel that way, but it's a spiritual truth. Right? You died with Christ, and you were raised to walk in newness of life. And if you let that truth in, what happens is you're walking on water. There's an ability to deal with sin that you never knew you had because you didn't. But there's ability to turn away. The Spirit of God, you, you, you're going to do something you used to do, and the Spirit of God will say, don't do that. And you'll say, no, Lord, I don't want to do that. Help me. And all of a sudden, you find yourself walking on water. Right? <clears throat> and so what you got to do is you got to come to the place where you accept and, and, and get to sin. That's what we looked at in Romans chapter 6. That's what we're hearing again uh, here with Colossians. Colossians. I'm dead to sin. That's no, that's no longer me. I'm not, I'm, I'm not that person anymore. Right? I am, I am now a new creature. I'm walking with God. I'm setting my affections on the things of heaven. And what you find is your life is being transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove. The word prove is that you may know experientially. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Once you find this, this is the life. This is what I want. Right? But you got to reckon yourself to be dead to sin, right? Um, what are we to mortify? Make dead. That's what mortuary. You know, you, you go down to the mortuary, the dead people are down to the mortuary. Right? Make dead. What are you supposed to make dead? What does it say that you're supposed to make dead? Yeah. All these things that are so compelling to the old nature. That's the common denominator among them. They're so drawing to the old nature. God says, make them dead. No. What happens when you make something dead? Not coming back. Huh? Not coming back. No, they're gone. Yeah. He says, 
Listen, you're dead to these things. Now make it so. So don't react to them. Don't give in to them. Don't play with them. Don't go to them. Mortify them. Starve them to death. Just don't give in to them. And you say, it's impossible. I mean, it's, I've got so much junk in my mind. Now, listen, if God says it's possible, it's possible. Your problem is faith. Trusting what God says. Because when you don't trust what God says, what happens is miraculous. It's miraculous. It just changes. It's different. When you trust what God says and act on what God says, no, no, what you feel. There's a miraculous change that happens, right? It says multiply your members. Sorry? It says in verse multiply your members. And so, like, you take that as like your, your senses, your eyes, yeah. your nose, your ears, your touch, all the things that kind of get our thoughts going. In other words, you don't have to do it anymore. Stop doing it. Stop, because what happens is you do a little bit, flame fires you up, and then you want more. Just stop. Just, you're dead to it. Stop. <clears throat> and <clears throat> you won't know that's true till you really try it. And you won't really try it till you're convinced it's true. That's it. Like a spectre front. You gotta actually step out in faith and you gotta say, okay, God, I don't have to do these things anymore. You said, now Lord, I'm taking out your word. And you step out and you find you don't have to do those things. Uh, <clears throat> what are we to put off in verse nine? The old man. No, lying in the old man. And by the way, lying is one of those hard to get rid of things in our lives, isn't it? It's kind, of, it's kind of one of those things, you know, that's kind of easy to hold on to. And, and it's, it's, it's protecting us, isn't it? Protects us from all kinds of things. No, it's rubbish. That's the old man. That's the old way, the old life. You, you, you'll never get right till you start being honest. When David sinned with Bathsheba, uh, in Psalm 51, he said this, Thou requirest truth in the inward parts. David needed to get honest with David because he was lying to David, first of all. And as long as he was lying to David, he was never getting right with God. And as long as you're lying, you're not going to get right with God. You have to get honest. You have to get honest about where you're at and what you're doing. And you have to have some people at some stage in your life, too. And listen, you're honest with them. Look, here's where I'm at. I'm not happy with it, but here's where I'm at. Would you pray for me? And that, that, that takes humility. That takes you coming to the place, you know, where you're actually <clears throat> uh, putting yourself out there. But if you're serious about getting right, you've got to stop lying. Because every lie you tell, you tell yourself too. Like, you make it okay for you to lie. Because we're moral creatures. We have to believe it's okay. So, so we make it okay. Listen, give it, give it up. You're never going to get anywhere. That's, that's the old man. That's the old you. And you gotta you, you gotta put that away completely, right? Um, and in in verse fourteen, what's the bond of perfection? No, there's your there's your benchmark again. There's your <laughs> if you like, you want to measure yourself. How are you doing with love? When you wake up in the morning, when you're grouchy, 
and you're complaining and you're giving out to everybody and you're just going around kicking the cat, kicking the dog, you know, and you're and you're biting up people and you're thinking bad at people and so on. You have a problem. It's not the dog, it's not the kids, it's not the wife, it's not the husband. You have a problem, right? You're not being loving. And you know, you need to recognize that. You need to recognize that I, I have a problem here. Now, listen, they may be doing wrong. That's listen, if you have kids, they were doing adults. <clears throat> but you, you've got to come to the place where you actually recognize. No, when I'm responding wrongly to people, it's my problem, not theirs. Right? And so <clears throat> love is the bond of perfectness. When you find yourself being loving, you're being like Jesus. And that's, that's when it gets to be good. I'm, I'm not in the right place. It's not they did this and they did that. I'm not in the right place. By the way, you'll never, particularly with kids, angry with them. You're never going to get them straightened out. You have to actually get, you have to actually live the reality of this for them to actually look at it and think, I want that. And they get to see more of you than anybody else gets to see it, see of you. You've got to come to the place where you actually recognize that. Uh, it's me. Uh, I'm not right. Because Christianity is supernatural. It's God working in you. It's not what you can do. All right, let me quickly finish this off here. Um, in the book, he gives you a helpful suggestion, right? He says, wake up every day and ask the Lord to show you his heart in your decisions. Prayerfully navigate his word, sanctify the word of God in your heart, and have a defense for the hope that's in you. Live in a personal abandonment and absolute trust in God, knowing that he is the author and finisher of our faith. So in the morning when you wake up, right, before the day starts, you say, Lord, now I want this day to be centered on you. Not, I want the next 10 minutes while I have my devotions and then I got to rush into the real stuff of the day. No, Lord, I want this day to be centered on you. Christianity will never work for you. If you want to put God in a box, Sunday morning, your devotional time, it'll never work for you. He wants, he wants to walk with you through every step of your life. Lord, lead and guide. I'm listening. Right? <clears throat> and then you need to live that identity in Christ. And there are three parts to it. There's first experiencing Christ. He is real. You better know he's real. There's that experience of Christ. And oftentimes that happens in your devotions. Lord, I need you to touch me. I need you. I need your presence in my life. That, that experience of that, that reality of Christ, because he is a living being. And he dwells within you in the form of his spirit. And you need to experience him. right? And then you need to be growing in him. It's a growing relationship. You should be growing until the day you close your eyes. You should be growing until the day you close your eyes. So often you see people where they kind of come to the end of the day and they, they want to coast. They say, no, I'm ready to pop off. I'm ready to go. And, and they want to coast. No, you're not going to coast. You should be growing till you step into his presence. Right? <clears throat> you continue growing and then sharing his love with others. You know, if you are just 
someone that, that takes in all this love and all this relationship from God and doesn't have anywhere where you actually share it with somebody else. You know, you become a stagnant pool. And you don't want to be a stagnant pool. If, if, if you're going to have a flow into your life, there needs to be a flow out of your life. And you need to find a way. We're actually able to talk to people about the Lord Jesus, talk about, about his wonderful love for you and, and how he's worked in your life. You need to, you need, everybody needs a ministry. It doesn't have to be on the platform. Everybody needs a ministry where they're actually letting the love of God flow through them into somebody else. Because the more you give, the more you're, the more you're getting, the more it's coming in. You need ministry. You need to actually minister that love of God, right?